Hi, it's Dave and Debbie here of the Dave and Dijanovic Show on KSL News Radio. We're on live on KSL News Radio Monday through Friday, starting at nine. And every day we start off with the launch, so the keyword is going to be launch. So text that keyword to five seven five zero zero, and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod Pros. Dave and Dijanovic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio. The Food Tax Debate, a special presentation with David Dijanovic on KSL News Radio. And that debate's been going on uh, for decades now, whether to keep or ditch the food tax. I mean, we we, we all get hungry. We all need to eat. But let's start here. Do we even know how much we pay for groceries? So according to the Bureau of Economic Analysis, um, groceries should cost you about $259 per person per month. Who made that up? That's in Utah. That's specifically in Utah, and we're one of the lowest in the nation. So what is that about? Let's see. $12,448 for groceries for a family of four. Yeah. A year. That right. That is a chunk. And that doesn't count eating out either. Yeah. So of that twelve K, you're paying sales tax on that food. But not necessarily all of it, right? Um, some of that food. The state is offering up a solution to Utahns. You can get rid of the sales tax on food if you like. And Deb, you know me, that I'm a big fan of looking at the laws that are passed as does it sound good or does it actually do good? And I think this is one of the biggest examples of sounding good. Sounds great. You know, let's get rid of the food tax. But in reality, I don't think it's doing that much good because it's not that big of a tax. So let's do two things before you get into your details about your sounds good pitch. Um, let's listen uh, to the report filed by our very own KSL News Radio's Peter Johnston on this issue that is brewing in Utah right now on the food tax debate. And in a moment, we're going to get with a lawmaker who um, has been in on some decisions um, and the process of getting to us to where we are now. When you hear this sound, please scan your first item and place it in the bag. You know, Utah's about to charge you nearly 2% tax per item. But voters can choose to change that this November if they decide to change how income tax gets used in Utah. It's currently in the Constitution that income tax money can only go to education. But lawmakers last year passed a bill that kicks the food sales tax to the curb if two-thirds of voters allow that requirement to go away. As for the odds of a constitutional change, a Deseret News poll from last spring shows only a third of voters are for it, while half are against it. Peter Johnston, KSL News Radio. Joining us right now is Representative Karen Peterson and... Uh, Representative, thanks for joining us. Let me just make my final final little pitch of of why I think this isn't nearly as as impactful as maybe we we had hoped or how it sounds. Say I spend a thousand dollars on on groceries every month. The state sales tax portion of that is one point seven five percent, right? That's only seventeen bucks. That's four bucks a week. So it, as good as it sounds, I'm not sure four bucks a week is is changing, changing the tides here. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on first. Um, and I do think that um, we, because we have um, kept our sales tax on food low, the impact is, you know, different for different families, right? For some families, uh, when they're seeing the cost of inflation on food, they feel like, you know, that little bit would make a difference for my family. So we've heard from a lot of constituents uh, over the last couple of years 
uh, requesting that sales tax be removed off of food. But the way it's framed now, Representative, is the only way that we can get rid of the sales tax on food is to uh, change an amendment in the Constitution, which would allow lawmakers to use, you know, income tax that they collect now for education for other purposes, right? Yes, yes. Um, So while the impact on each family is small, once you add all of that impact together on what state revenue um, comes in, then you're leaving um, really essential services, things like um, water, public safety, programs for seniors, air quality. Those kinds of things now have less funding uh, because of the artificial silos we've created in our budget uh, that, that make us make those kinds of decisions. So last session, we worked really closely with the education community. I am a huge supporter of public education. Um, I've been working in that space a long time. And one of the things that they worry about is guarantees on funding for new students that come into this system and to help with inflationary costs that haven't always been funded by the legislature. So what this proposal does is actually say, if voters remove the sales tax on food, then out of the income tax, first and foremost, come those to funding things to education every year, and it's in the Constitution. So voters would have to then change their mind again to take that out. So I'm I'm also a little uncomfortable whenever we have kind of the quid pro quo. Like, if you want this, then you got to pass that. And I think these are two things that we, we should be able to separate and say, okay, let's have a real discussion and a debate about whether or not the sales tax uh, is necessary or needed. And let's have another conversation about whether we want the entire income tax to go, you know, to be mandated to go exclusively, essentially, to education. Why combine these? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, so, We are the only state in the nation that has this constitutional earmark for public education. And I I would argue that we don't care necessarily where the money comes from in state revenue that goes to public education. We care that it gets to public education, right? So at the same time, we're trying to balance the budget and follow our current constitution. And the the sales tax in our state is, is not rising at the same rate as our income tax revenue is rising. And so as we sit up here at the Capitol and we think about critical state needs, it it creates these, um, like I said, these silos or these buckets where you say, well, we'd really love to do more on homelessness, for example, but that bucket is shrinking. And, you know, all of these social kind of issues also impact our schools. So how come we've created this artificial um, barrier or buckets, um, and knowing then that sales tax on food reduces how much we have in the bucket for all of the other needs, it does end up tying the conversations together uh, in a way that if we talked about them one at a time, um, it would be really difficult, for example, if we said, okay, we're going to remove the sales tax on food, but now we've just re- a revenue source that's already decreasing. Um, and so that becomes a challenge then to meet the state's needs. Representative Karen Peterson, live on the line as we go in-depth this morning on the food tax and the efforts to repeal it, but only if uh, voters decide to amend the Utah Constitution. 
uh, to allow for income tax, which is now allocated for education, to um, be spent in other ways. So the reason that it is allocated to be spent on education is because many, many years ago, my understanding is, if my memory serves, is that voters made that happen because there were some concerns over, oh, how lawmakers were spending that money. And we were bottom in the nation when it came to education spending. So do you expect that voters trust lawmakers enough now to stick to their word? So this is the thing. I think that what this does is it says, uh, lawmakers, we're telling you constitutionally, you have to fund new students every year and you have to fund increased costs. Right now, it doesn't say that. As much as people want it to say that, all it says is the money that gets spent on education comes from this source. And, and what this now will say is, no, Utah is required to prioritize in the revenue we receive from income tax our education system first and foremost. And it puts that into the Constitution in a way that we have never had a protection for public education before. Representative Karen Peterson, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much yeah, for calling in. Straight ahead, uh, let's get into this. Does getting rid of the food tax make sense, actually, to taxpayers? Um, and we're going to go straight to the Utah Taxpayers Association. They've been crunching the numbers uh, behind the scenes. Uh, so we're going to ask them to crunch the numbers on the air live. Hi, it's Dave and Debbie here of the Dave and Dijanovic Show on KSL News Radio. We're on live on KSL News Radio Monday through Friday, starting at 9. And every day we start off with the launch. So the keyword is going to be launch. So text that keyword to 57500 and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod Pros. Dave, Dave and DeGenevic. The Food Tax Debate. A special presentation with David DeGenevic on KSL News Radio. This will come up on the November ballot. It feels like it's, you know, months away, but hey, this year is already flying by. So we're going in depth today, all day long on the food tax. Lawmakers have a plan to get rid of it. Uh, let's let Peter Johnston, KSL News Radio, walk us through that plan. And we're going to talk to the um, the Utah Taxpayers Association and ask them to crunch the numbers for us, whether this makes sense or not. This is the ultimate two birds with one stone thing coming up on November's ballot. Voters are going to be able to decide whether they want to amend the Utah Constitution and remove the earmark that dedicates the state's income tax solely to education. It would take two-thirds of people to give a thumbs up for this to happen, but lawmakers passed a rule last year that if that earmark goes away, so does Utah's 1.75% sales tax on food. As for the odds of a real constitutional change going down, a Deseret News poll from last spring shows only a third of voters are for it, while half are against it. Peter Johnston, KSL News Radio. Isn't it kind of funny how many years and decades we've tried to address the food tax? I mean, we have been Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. over the food tax. We had it. Then we got rid of it. Then we brought it back. And then remember, just a few years ago in 2019, lawmakers almost quadrupled the food tax to 4.85%. And then the people rose up. 150,000 people signed their name on a petition. And then lawmakers are like, never mind. Never mind. Well, we take it back. Take these backsies. They they just ejected on that plan. But they were going to almost quadruple the sales tax five years ago, and now they want to get rid of it altogether? <laughs> There's that caveat that um, 
that cl- that they're like look you can get rid of the food tax folks uh, but in order to do that you have to allow us to use the income tax um, for things other than education we just spoke to a lawmaker who's been in on uh, this conversation up on Capitol Hill and I don't I, I, look, I don't know what the right thing to do is here. I, I understand that, you know, funding mechanisms are shifting um, with income tax and sales tax. And so maybe lawmakers do need more flexibility. But many years ago, Utah voters decided lawmakers weren't doing enough for education. So that's why we decided, you know what, we need to have an earmark on income tax for education. Rusty Cannon with Utah Taxpayers Association. I'm I know y'all have been crunching the numbers behind the scenes. Uh, what's your take on this? Do we need to repeal well, the food tax? Well, we think I think we should. I mean, one thing that I think you mentioned 2019, a valuable lesson that lawmakers learned and a lot of people learned in 2019 is there's not much else that could be more popular of an idea than getting rid of or reducing the sales tax on food. It unites essentially both sides of the aisle, if you want to put it that way. Uh, and, and they all united in opposition to what was done, you know, roughly, what, five years ago now. Time flies. But um, it, it, we think it is a good move for a couple of different reasons, which we can explain. Um, there, there's essentially two buckets of revenue that, that the state has access to, a little bucket and a big bucket. The little bucket is sales tax, and the big bucket is income tax. Little bucket's about $4 billion a year right now, and the income tax is about $8 billion a year. The problem is that that little bucket has to fund everything under the sun uh, for state government except for education. Um, and so in order to have access to that bigger bucket, that's why the constitutional change is needed. And in return, you can then take $200 million, that's about what it is, $200 million a year out of that little bucket and give it back to taxpayers by reducing or eliminating the state sales tax on food. So that's why it's coupled together in one constitutional amendment. And we think it makes sense and, and we think it will pass. And, and obviously everybody needs to be educated on it. One of the things that, that keeps coming to my mind, Rusty, is I think everyone that, that wants to get in, rid of the sales tax and why it's so popular is because it does. It sounds great. But you break down what we pay for groceries, a family of four, about $1,000 a month. You know, 1.75% is about $4 a week. Like that, that, that's not moving the needle on anybody. Nobody is going to the store every week spending $250 per week and saying, you know what, though? You know what would make a difference if I paid $246? That would fix everything. So I, I know it's popular, but it's not that much money. It's not impacting anyone's life. Well, that's that's a fair point. Uh, the advocates for getting rid of it would disagree. The, the, the main story that's been told for years now has been how hurtful and destructive it is to those, especially on lower incomes. Um, and you, you make a great point, and there's varying opinions on it, but, but there's typically a very vocal uh, support for getting rid of it for for those reasons. I think Dave does make a really good point. And then I had this flashback, Rusty, to 1990 when I was living on ten thousand dollars a year. And my first, actually, I was yeah, my second job. I took a pay cut to go to Yuma, Arizona, and I didn't have any money. I mean, my rent back then was four hundred and fifty dollars a month for a studio in Yuma because I I rented during uh, 
what they call snowbird season when, you know, all the folks from out of state were coming because the temperatures were so great. Um, and so my rent was extremely high for a very, at the time, for a very, very small studio. And I was living on, I mean, I was living on quarters for food, honestly. Uh, so I, you know, we can dismiss $4 here, $4 there and today. But when you are living on such a tight budget, 17 bucks a month or whatever it is, a dollar or $2 extra a week. I mean, if it buys you a dozen eggs uh, and a box of or a few top ramens, uh, that is the difference. Honestly, it is. Well, and there's been pressure every year, at least as far as I can remember, up at the legislature where we are today um, to repeal this tax. I mean, it, it was a repeat argument every single year. It was always a subject of debate. Um, and now here's a chance for voters to decide if they'd like to do it. And it would now they need to remember this is just the state portion, um, which is 1.75. There still will be local sales tax on food, but um, that's what sit there at the 1.25 percent. But this would get rid of most of it uh, as far as this or at least the state portion of, of the tax. How much uh, does this, the state bring in with income tax? It's around eight billion a year. So that eight billion dollars would basically go into a big bucket, and the and the legislature would be responsible to just divvy that up with education and and roads, everything. It would just go into a big pile, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. Correct. And that's the right way to do it. That's how every other state in the nation does it. Yeah. And it's it's the best way to go because other things are priorities. You got to think Medicaid and social services is now the biggest part of the budget. It is no longer education. Like, and they don't have an earmark. So so why would one other sector deserve deserve the earmark. So this is an important debate to have, and we think it's fair. The legislature then sorts out priorities and funds what needs to be funded. Well, thank you for joining us, Rusty. Uh, Rusty Cannon with the Utah Taxpayers Association. That was an aha moment for me that Medicare and Medicaid have now become the biggest part of the budget. They don't have an earmark. Yeah. And we're aging, right? Um, And we've earmarked for education in a much different time period. I mean, we're earmarking for education through a constitutional amendment, you know, decades ago and now there's been a shift there's been a shift this there's a lot to consider here dave there's not an earmark for roads but we still build roads we still fill in potholes we just prioritize that was the gas tax some years some (laughs) years we we build sometimes we don't need to It, it ebbs and flows so i think that's i i am absolutely fine with taking uh the the reins off of the legislature and saying you have to spend income tax. I have no problem with that. I just, I'm sorry. I I don't know how $4 a week is moving the needle. I would rather take that $200 million, the $200 million that the sales tax is bringing in right now for those families that are struggling and put that directly into food security measures. I would have no problem with that, but there's no reason to give, the the Romneys, the Huntsmans, the Noriegas, the Dujanovics, a four dollar a week savings at the expense of that two hundred million dollars. Great point. Straight ahead, let's let's get into this headline in the Wall Street Journal. Half of college grads are working jobs that don't use their degrees. There's a reason why Dave loves that headline. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I have a bigger question. I want to know if colleges, if we feel like colleges are actually setting up our kids, our students, when they walk out the door of the university uh, for success 
in their chosen degree. Are colleges holding up their end of the bargain or have they just become diploma mills? 